we're going to continue down the lines of the uh, orphan spirit. Our main focus is to dispel that, to get rid of the orphan spirit. Like I told you guys, the orphan spirit is an ancient spirit. It's the oldest spirit on the planet Earth. It is Satan himself. When he got kicked out of heaven, he got uh, exiled from heaven and sent to earth. And since then, he has been trying to release the same spirit that destroyed the relationship with the father to us. All right. This spirit is steeped in destroying the relationship between you and the father. All right. Let me say this right now. Don't worry about the little idiosyncrasies and the mistakes and the things that happen during the service, okay? Don't worry about that. We're, we're, we, we have to stop, we have to start celebrating our growth instead of always looking at our failures. All right? We, this church is not a year and a half old. We getting some stuff together, right? You have to look and see that. I don't, cause I don't want you to feel like as if you failed or as if, you know, things didn't go the right way. You know, he tried to get me all the time. He didn't know it went just the way the father said. The people who didn't come back wasn't supposed to. <laughs> Amen. Everything go, is going to go according. We are growing it. Okay. The word that I'm going to release today, I think is going to change the landscape of how we do church. Because we have to take on a mindset that at all times we are in his household. Not just when we come to church. All right. But the, just us being in his presence is his household. Amen. We have to get used to thinking, acting, reacting, responding, and have a focus that we are in his household. We can't have this mindset of we are trying to get there. All right. <laughs> we can't have a mindset that we are trying to get to heaven. I need y'all to hear me. We can't have a mindset that we are trying to earn our way into our father's house. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for you to pull an orphan out of an orphanage and say, earn your way back to me. Pull an orphan out of the orphanage and say, earn my love now. Amen. We have to get rid of that mindset. So on today, the title of our teaching on today is going to be in my father's house. In my father's house. This is the mindset that we have to have, that we are in our father's house. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about your life. When Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, his eyes immediately closed to the presence of the father. His eyes immediately closed to the household of his father. It immediately closed to the family. All right. Adam was separated from the father. That's when the Bible says that he died. He told him on the moment you eat of this tree, you will surely die. That, die, that death was not physical. That death was a separation. And since then, we have been separated from the father. We have been fatherless. We have been comfortless. We have been without a family. 
This is the way that Adam left us. Disconnected. This is the life that Adam gave us. But now Christ is coming to give us, he came to give us a different life. This is the redemption process. The redemption process is the recovery of the life. It's the recovery of the relationship. It's us, watch this, re-entering into his household. The moment you were adopted, you re-entered into his household. See, we've had a mindset that we're trying to get there. We are in our soul. We're trying to get there in our mind. That's what we're trying to wrap around it. But according to this word, we are in Christ. We are already new creatures. Old things are passed away. All things are now new. Why? Because you're in a new household. You're in a new family. Because you are in this new family, you have to learn how to think different. You have to learn how to walk different, how to talk different, which means that you have to be reprogrammed. Your natural family programmed you. They, they programmed you by the seed of Adam. Adam got his seed from Satan. So now you have to receive the seed of Christ just to get your mind back right. This has to take place in your entire soul. That's why the Bible says, love the Lord with all your mind. All your heart. All your soul, all your strength, all your understanding. He said, love me with all that. That don't mean, see, religiously, this, we've took that to mean religion. In religion, we've took that to mean this, that we're supposed to love him, do everything that we can to show him how much we love him. The broken orphan. It's supposed to do everything that they can do to show Jesus, I love you. And typically, this is how we try to show him, by not sinning. By participating in church. Most people come, I, look, the thing about this doctrine is, some people are going to grab it. All right? And when they grab it, they're going to flee from church. Because it's free. It, it frees you up. It frees you. It doesn't, you don't feel in bondage when you don't show up to church. You don't feel in bondage no more. It's going to free you first. And then after it frees you, you will get an understanding that, oh, you know what? I need to be developed. I need my life. But you have to be free first. You have to be free to talk about pursuing your life. Trust me, slaves don't talk about what they're going to do tomorrow. We wasn't sitting in the cotton field. What you doing tomorrow? What you mean? <laughs> Same bad time, bad channel. <laughs> when you're in bondage, you don't have a choice of what you're going to do on tomorrow. You're going to be in bondage. When you take your life, you have a choice of what you're going to do tomorrow. That's why while, while the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the, and the scribes were in bondage, Jesus was over here eating daily bread. So we have to be reprogrammed. Every time we do a counseling session, we always tell people, look, you're dealing with these two, three, these three things, past, present, future. In the past, somebody programmed you. 
You can't do anything about that. You jacked up. You tore up from the floor up because everybody after you, before you was tore up from the floor up. But in the present, you can reprogram yourself. In the present, there will be no victims. You can reprogram yourself. That's the accountability. Is that you know what's wrong, but will you do what's necessary to get it right? So our, we have to be reprogrammed. And watch this. This only happens in his household. It only happens in his household. It only happens in his community. If your heart, your mind, and your soul is not in his household, when you leave here, you revert back to acting as if you are in Satan's household. So our first scripture on the day, we're going to come from uh, John chapter 14, and we're going to go through from 1 through 7. Open that for me. Thank you, big brother. Y'all ready? Y'all sure? We're going to destroy some religion. Y'all want to hold on to it? You might go want to go to the bathroom. All right. It says... Don't let your heart be troubled, John 14, chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have not told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also, now, if you Baptist, you thought that Jesus was going to heaven to build some homes. You thought it was, what's the, what's the name of that charity they do? I forgot what it's called, Hood for Homes, something like that. Habitat for Humanity, that's what you thought it was. You thought Jesus was leaving to go to heaven and build some homes for you. Okay, but now the discrepancy and understanding of this scripture comes from the fact that we got it from the King James Version. All right. Now, in the King James Version, it says mansions, but mansions come from the word mason, which is mean bricks. And so in the old English, what they were saying is that I am this house that we are about to or the, the uh, place in, that is being built for you in heaven is a permanent dwelling place. In old English, when they build a house in brick, it was considered a permanent dwelling place compared to the houses that were built in by brick, that were built by wood and stubble. So when when it says in my father's house, there are many mansions is if you look at the Greek, it just simply means in my father's family, there is a permanent place for you. That's all it means. And he's letting you know that where I'm about to go, you're coming with me. So when he died, resurrected, then he ascended. The Bible said that he sat at the right hand of the father. 
which was a place of power. Then the scriptures tell us that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So Jesus was letting them know, look, do not let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's family, there is a permanent place for you. If it were not so, I would have not told you. I would have not came and had an entire ministry introducing you to a father if I was never going to give you a home. He says, for if I go to prepare a place for you, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you will be also. Verse four, he says, and you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. <laughs> now you see, now if you look at verse two, where he says in my father's house, there are many mansions. Then you look at verse six. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So what was he trying to do? He was trying to get you to the father. He was never trying to get you to heaven. He's not trying to get you to heaven. When you die, you will go to heaven. But all the work and the sonship needs to be done on earth. The Bible says that the creation is groaning. <laughs> the creation is groaning. The angels are not. Heaven is not groaning for you to become a child of God. It's the creation is groaning. Which means people are included in that. So we're going to have to get back into the father's house. He says, I am the way, the road to the father. I am the truth. When you see, even though you see me in the flesh, inside of me is a spirit that represents what he wants to do for you. Then he says, I am the life. So I'm, I'm going to give you the very relationship that I have with the father. Now, this is verse six. When you get to verse 18, we're not going there, but in verse 18 is where he says, I will not leave you orphans. So he started off letting you know in my father's house, there's a permanent place for you. Verse seven, he says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also from now on. You know him and have seen him. So knowing him reveal, knowing Jesus reveals the father because our life reflects the household that we grew up in. So he's letting them know if you know me, then you know my father because my very actions represent him. He said, if you know him, you know his father. He says from now on, you will know him. Why would you know him? Because you will be in his household. Ain't that what the scriptures say? He said from now on, you would know him. He didn't say from now on, you would know me. He had an agenda. His agenda was to get us to the father. It was not to get us to him. It's going to be hard to break the church from that. Because we've been hell-bent on trying to have a relationship with Jesus. 
And Jesus has been hell-bent on trying to get us to have a relationship with the Father. We off course. Jesus was letting us know that there was a place for us in the family of God, a prepared position, not a location. I go to prepare a place for you. That place is not a location. It's a position. You're in a position trying to get to a place. You've been in a position however long you've been saved. (laughs) You've been in a position already. But you're in the position trying to get to heaven from it. When he's telling you, you're already seated in heavenly places. The invitation is to his household. I will not leave you orphans. Means what? I'm going to pull you out the orphanage and it is going to be my duty. It is going to be my responsibility to make sure that you become like me. Y'all ain't ready. John chapter 8, verse 32. We're going to go 32 through 38. Now, in this passage of scripture, of course, he's talking to Pharisees. And verse 32, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, when he said that to the Pharisees, they got offended. Just like most religious people. You can't tell nobody who go to church today. Everybody who go to church got the truth. But they ain't free. That's the indication. If you have the truth, you're set free in every area of your life. You will know the truth. Your friend ain't going to know the truth and you set free. Your parents ain't going to know the truth and you set free. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now listen to the religious folks. Verse 33. We are descendants of Abraham. They answered him. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. Now they're orphans saying this. How can you say we will become free? You will become free. Jesus responded, truly I say, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, the reason he's saying this is because he's a bona fide son and there's no sin in him. So he's telling them everybody who commits sin is a slave to sin. Or everybody who commits sin or is because you didn't come from the father's household. That's simply what sin is. Sin is any behavior that does not represent your father's household. That'll work, won't it? Verse 35. It's going to get good. 
A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son remains forever. This is Jesus talking. You missed that scripture, didn't you? You know why? Because your focus was on getting to heaven and you can't get this revelation. I told you, however, when you open that Bible, your reference point is how you understand everything else. I ask preachers all the time, what is the, why does the Bible exist? So that we could reveal God's glory. That's true. But what does glory mean? <laughs> so we can worship him. That's actually true. But what, what type of worship? We treat the Bible as if it exists because God just wanted some people to play around with. He just wanted some puppets. He just wanted some people that he can put on earth and he can make them walk on eggshells. And if they get it right, he going to let them in. And we called that the gospel. That was good news. I hate to see what we was really going through. So he said, he tells them a slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever, which means eternal life is for sons. The household is for sons, not slaves. Sin is being removed from the son's soul. Why he's in the household? Because his spirit is always already solidified. You're in Christ. You're a new creature. All things are passed away. All things become new. What is that? That is how the father sees you in his household. That's how he sees you in his household. In his household, he knows that 100% you are his child. But the thing about it is your mindset has not got there yet. The spirit man is solidified. The slave still has Adam nature and can only sin because it's natural. That's why I tell you, because Christ is in you, you can now, your mind can now be conformed to his image. When Adam was only one in you, your mind can only be conformed to his image. Verse 36. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. So once you are in the family, that is a permanent position on the father's behalf. Once you have been set free, you are really free. You're not set free until you make a mistake. This is our father's household. There is no reversal of adoption. Even in the natural, in the Greek, when you, once you adopted someone, you could not know if you, once you adopted someone, you ha- the only way that they could leave your family is they had to leave with that inheritance. So even if you did not want them, they still got the inheritance because you adopted them. Relig- I know we folks hate once saved, always saved. Well, how we want to do this? Saved until we make a mistake. Now, I am a believer that if you if you if you are a born again believer and you never enter into the household and let the father raise you, then your soul never developed. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? But lose his soul. How did he lose his soul? He never entered into the father's presence to allow him to raise him.
So there is no reversal of the adoption. Once he said, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you, that became commandment. See, we think that we're the only one that have to answer to commandments. No, once the father says he's going to do something, that is his word. That becomes a commandment to him. These are the promises. I know the only promise we want to get is the Holy Spirit and money. <laughs> no, the promise was I'm going to bring you into my household and I'm going to raise you. Just like I pulled the children of Israel out of Egypt. When I pulled them out of Egypt, I brought them into my presence. Cloud by day, fire by night. The tabernacle. When I pulled them out of Egypt, I brought them into my presence. I took care of them. The reason why they didn't reach the place that they were supposed to reach was because of them. Because of the hardness of their heart. That's why he warns us, do not have a a hard heart. Because you are in my household. It is the equivalent of you pulling an orphanage out of, you pulling an orphan out the orphanage, they get into your house and they refuse to allow you to love them. They refuse to allow you to correct them. They refuse to allow you to do anything to them or for them. What happens? They remain in the same state mentally. And although they're not in the same situation, you can't tell. So he would never tell us depart from my household. No, the Bible says the only people he told to depart was those who didn't know him. He said, you were a worker of iniquity, which means you didn't obey nothing I said in my household. Come on now. You got kids. You was a child. Right? <laughs> yeah, I hit him right there. You say you got kids. Yeah, I know. They, they something else, ain't they? Then you, you was a kid. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> but you have to leave his household. You have to leave the household. Now, my question to you is, why would you leave the household? Because Satan has blinded you from seeing the glorious gospel of Christ. You don't see the benefits of staying in his household. You don't see the benefits of community. You only see the benefits of getting your way. And you can have your way, but you can't get your way and the way. You can't get your way in the way. Y'all know, look, come on, we've been kids. Not under my roof. Y'all remember that? You told your kid that, didn't you? Not under my roof. You can, once you leave them under this roof, you can do what you want to do. But under my roof, these are the rules. Can you hear your father talking? <laughs> you want to maintain my presence? It's going to be by my rules. That's why the whole thing right here, it ain't about nothing that's happened now. It's about what could happen. We catch stuff. We can't let it go too far. Because you need to be in the presence. All Satan's trying to do is get you to worship him so you can get pulled out the presence. So when it's time to work, you ineffective. Why? Because you've been in a strange worship. 
He just wants you to be ineffective. He knows anything that he can do to pull you out the Father's presence, it benefits his kingdom. It dims your light. Because you know how, I, I hate calling people sinners, but it is what the Bible said, right? Sinners. You know how sinners are. They only want to point out what you do wrong. You could do it right 364 days in a year. And that'd be on leap year. You can mess up two days and that's all they see. Why? Because they need a reason to justify that it's okay for them to beat themselves. That's why they always call us hypocrites. They call us hypocrites because they don't understand who household we in and, and that we're growing up. You need to come and grow. We ain't hypocrites. We, we just like you. We jacked up, messed up. We don't know what we doing. We are clueless. Every time we look around, we... Come on, the Bible says this. Don't worry about tomorrow. He knew we couldn't handle it. The Bible said, don't even say that tomorrow or next week, I'm going to go here and set that up. The Bible said that's evil because you're thinking ahead of the father. You're in his household telling him what you're going to do in two weeks. That's a whole nother message. I told you, this is going to change the landscape because I want you to see yourself in his presence and his presence as the household. Uh, all right, let's keep it. Verse 37. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word, logos, my logos has no place among you. So he's saying my word, my word, my instructions, the instructions I received from the father, it ain't even in you. You don't need it. It's not in you. You don't like me. Because the instructions I got was not from Moses. My instructions came from my father. And that's not in you. Verse 38. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the father. Mm. So then you do what you have heard from your father. So, fathers have a household where they nurture and admonish to bring about their truth. Satan has a truth. And our father has a truth. Jesus has come into an encounter as a full, fully mature son, letting him know. Everything that come out of my mouth is what I learned in his household. Jesus is telling them that our actions reflect the household that we grew up in. Everything I'm speaking out of my mouth in my ministry should come from my father. That's what an ambassador is. You're sent from one place. You're in another place representing that place, but you don't say what you want to say. You only say what that place tells you to say. So he said, I left my father's household and in earth, I'm, when you hear me speak, I'm only telling you what I seen my father do. That's why he was hell bent on telling you I only do what the father tell me to do. Why? Because that's how you raised. That's how he was raised. That's what the presence is. That's all Eden was. 
Eden ain't a physical place. That's why they still looking for it. They still looking for Eden. Tell me, well, it ain't real because we can't find Eden because Eden is the presence of our father. It was a garden because in his presence is the only way you can grow. They still looking for a garden with some trees in it. They got life on it and knowledge of good and evil. The natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. All this stuff is not, it is not literal. It's figurative. She didn't eat an apple. She ate from the wrong household. She switched who her father was. Her father said, don't eat from this tree. No, her father told her husband to tell his wife, don't eat from this tree. Don't even touch it. She got to talking with the father of lies and he convinced her that her father's household was wrong. And that his household was the way things should be done. You ever had that conversation with Satan? Stop playing, y'all. He convinced her. And soon as she decided to eat from the things of that household, she lost her place in this household. Then she gave it to her husband and he lost his place. Then he gave it to us. Now we're out of place. The definition of lost. All right. It was all about his presence. That's why the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To give you back the presence. The Holy Spirit just simply puts you in this household. It comes upon you. It rests on you to give you rest. The Holy Spirit is putting you back in his household. The Holy Spirit teaches, leads, guides, and instructs his household. It corrects you. It reminds you. Ah, y'all ain't ready for all that. So, you have to see yourself in his household. Okay? Because the longer we remain in his household, we begin to understand his household and know his household. This is where we are. We should know what our father expects of us. It shouldn't be no guessing. Kids know what their parents. Regardless of what Satan say, kids know. Am I right? It's in your head. I know my kid, my voice in your head. Uh huh. I know it is. You ain't got to say nothing. I know my voice in your head. You try to get it out, you can't. Because you in my household. What is wrong? What is considered wrong when you go against what I said in the household? I love y'all too. Next set of scriptures. Hebrew chapter 3. We're going to go to verse 6 for my note takers. It says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. Boy, do y'all see this stuff or am I the only one? Okay. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy 
worthy of more glory than Moses. Just as the builder was more honor, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in, in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. This is very profound. This is a whole nother teaching thing. Okay, I'm going to try to unpack it as small as I can without having to uh, really teach this. Although Moses' life was figurative, was literal, all right? Although Moses' life was literal, it only existed to show us figuratively what the Father wanted us to know about him. Y'all get that? Although his life was literal, so when it says that he was a slave in God's household, his life only existed to represent and show the sons how the father treated us. The Old Testament only exists so that we can have some understanding of how the spirit realm works. That's why the scripture says that he was faithful to the one who appointed him, talking about Christ, just as Moses was in all God's household. It says, for Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses. Why? Because the builder has more honor than the house. All things were created through Christ, for Christ, and without Christ, nothing exists. So even Moses' life was created for Christ to show us how the father would treat a slave, and we are to look at that slave and say, okay, we're more, we have more glory than them. So when I see Moses, I put my thought process a step above Moses. When I see Elijah, all their lives existed so that we will have a reference point to how our father's household worked. Verse six, it says, but Christ was faithful as a son over his household. Moses was faithful in. Christ was faithful over. And we, hold on, what'd that say? What'd that say? I can't read. Oh, and we are that household. I'll be bringing it to a close. I don't know. Woo, the one know how to bring it home, don't he? We are the household. So we are the household that Moses was faithful in, and we are the household that Christ is faithful over. Moses was faithful in our household. You know, you have butlers, maids in the household. That's what those of the Old Testament represented. They would be Jeffrey. Y'all, come on now. Oh, y'all ain't, who ain't with me? Who didn't get that? You got it, you gonna get kicked out? He didn't get it? Oh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Jeffrey. That's who Moses was to us. It's a perfect analogy. Will is brought from Philadelphia to, as an orphan, moves in with his auntie and uncle, 
and becomes one of the family. I know, right? <laughs> it's a perfect analogy. When he gets in the house, he's on the same level as Carlton, Hillary, and what's the other girl's name? Ashley. He's on the same level as them. But Jeffrey's not. What is it? Oh, G, you, hey, G, I need. Oh, y'all, come on, man. Ah. That's a good analogy, ain't it? That's just how it looks. So servants are faithful in his household. We are his household. We are the household. I'm about to go somewhere else. If if you got to do your part. I know y'all <laughs> y'all want jobs when y'all don't do nothing, right? I can't stand when somebody get a job say, I got a job, I don't do nothing. It ain't a job. It's not a job. <laughs> if we remain. If we hold on to our confidence and hope in which we boast. So we are a part of his household if we keep this confidence. Once we lose the confidence, we go right back to orphans. Once we lose the hope, we go right back to slaves. It says, and the hope in which we boast. So the only thing we have to boast in is that God is our father and we are growing up in his household. That's it. That's our place of boasting. That he's our father, we're growing up in in his household and our confidence and our hope is what we can look forward to becoming. That's why I tell you, don't look at where you are. When he brought you into his household, you were full of sin. You were a mess. Every way. I don't know. Maybe heaven agrees. This is why he said, until Christ is formed in us. Because it's about what? What we're going to become. Conform to the image. Imitate me. Be like your father. It is about what we are becoming. Y'all ready to go home? Not literally. In the message, okay? Now, this is the conflict that we have in the household. All right? Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. Yeah. We're going to read this. All right. Says, tell me you who want to be under the law. How many of y'all want to be under the law? Okay. Now, under the law means that you got to get everything right. All right, we'll take this. You want to be under the law, Alana? All right, I ain't gonna mess with you. Like messing with yourself. Tell me you. Who want to be under the law, do you hear the law? 
Hmm. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. So, Abraham has a literal life and a figurative life. His literal life, he had a son, but figuratively, it represents the seed of Christ. Verse 23, but the one by the slave was born as a result of flesh. He did it on his own. The father didn't, God didn't tell him to do that. While the one by the free woman was born through the promise. This is the one the father told him to have. This is what he really wants. Verse 24. These things are being taken figuratively. For the woman represents, the women represents two covenants. One from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. Adam. The family of Adam. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai Sinai of Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, the physical Jerusalem on earth, the law, the legalistic part of it, for she is in slavery with her child. But the Jerusalem of above is free and she is your mother. So we are not children of Abraham. That was figuratively speaking. We are children of the most high. We are children of our heavenly father. And we are a part of the Jerusalem of above that is coming down out of heaven. For it is written, rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth, burst into song and shout. You who are in labor for the children of the desolate woman will be many more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Verse 28. Now you too. Now you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. So this story represents two covenants. The side of the covenant that you represent is that you are a a child of promise. Verse 29. But just as the child born as a result of flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so is now. Orphans are persecuting the church. Through sin and through religion. Orphans are persecuting the church so that they don't be developing the sons. That's why the Bible says that there's a battle between flesh and spirit. There's a war. Verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son. For the son of the slave would never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. This is why divine generation reveals the father. Because you would never be a joint heir as a slave. Only as a son. So the scripture says, 
drive out the slave and her son. Drive it out. How are we going to do that? Teaching, preaching. How are we going to do that? In his presence, secret place. We have to drive out legalism, slavery, fear. Don't put your mind on earthly things, but things above. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. That's why I told you, it is dangerous to tell an orphan they have to earn their way home. What kind of lifestyle? This is where we are in church. I'm telling you, I came from the apostolic Pentecostal background. Everything is about not making it in. Everything is about missing it. Everything. That's why we teach and preach. That's why this atmosphere has to be a place of love. It says drive out, drive out the slave and her son. So we got to get rid of the law and we got to get rid of the orphan spirit. We can't, you can't come in here and I constantly teach you what you're doing wrong. You can't come here and I constantly rehearse your failures. Because if I do that, I'm not driving out the slavery. I'm actually imparting the slave. I'm keeping you bound. Most pastors do this because if you, if they don't, you're going to lose, they're going to lose their job. So the word will come across to keep you coming to church. When, when, when we teach here, we teach to set you free so you can hear the father. So whether you come back or not, you still have to live this life. Mm. The law was to keep the orphanage in order. The law was to keep the orphans in order. You know why? Because they couldn't come in a household and, and be changed. All right. Verse 31, therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. Now, the scripture already told us, Jesus told us and the book of Hebrews told us that a slave cannot stay in the house forever. A slave cannot stay in the house forever. That's why they hold on to Sabbath day. That's why they hold on to the tabernacles. I went over some people's house not too long ago. They were doing six days in their backyard because of the tabernacle. Just to celebrate the tabernacles, feast of the tabernacle. Laws, ceremonies. 
He said, cast out the woman and her son. So we have to cast out legalism. All right. Now, our job is to do this, is to build you up into a child. That's why we have to constantly tell you who you are. When you come into the father's household, that's all you should hear. Who you are. It's not by mistake that all Jesus kept telling us is who we are. He never told us who we were not. Hmm. All right. This is the labor that we have to do to enter into his rest. His rest is our heart positioned back into his household while we are on earth. When we moved into his household, he removed us from the law and he put us under grace. That's why when he's talking to the Galatian church, he's asking them like, why would you go back under the law when you've been brought into your father's household and given grace? Why would you do that? The rules are only to correct the person. The law was just to correct them. It could never change them. Bible says we are not children of the slave, but we are children of the most high. We are replicating the father's love in this community. This is what this is all about. This community is about us coming into a place together and seeing ourselves as brothers and sisters and replicating his household. And then what happens is you take what you learn here and you replicate it in your household. And then what happens is when your household become consumed with it, you'll bring other households into it. Amen. All right, we're going to stop there for today. Y'all learned something? Okay, I'm telling you, we have to be focused. Messages like this change the landscape of the church. How many of y'all seen yourself when you feel the presence of God? That is you being in his household. It's no strange, it's not a strange thing, watch this, that we associate the Holy Spirit in his presence and angels ministering to us. You got to see yourself in his household. He was, Jesus was sent into the wilderness. He's in the wilderness, but he's not out of his father's household. He's in the wilderness, but he's not in his father's, he's not out of his father's household. How do I know that? Because every time Satan becomes with some foolishness, he lets him know what's written. He's just letting him know, this is how my father raised me. I tell my kids all the time, don't let no, don't let no child raise you. I'm going to tell you, don't let no child raise you. You got to hear your heavenly father and grow from there. Amen.